0: great. All right. So I titled this, A Hope Worth Holding. A Hope Worth Holding. Ever since man sinned, we have struggled with the idea of getting back to heaven. And we even try everything under the sun, don't we? To get right with God, but it doesn't seem to add up enough. We try to earn the right to heaven by being good, but end up, usually we're selfless we're, not, we're unfaithful. Our trustworthiness is not very good. And we could try putting those, we try measuring those, but every time it seems like they fall short. We try to take heaven like it is something that we can pass on here at earth when we try to make heaven here on earth, right? We try to say that earth is all we have, and then we're done, right? So this is heaven, No, that's not it. Or we try to say, um, this is our heaven here, because you know what they say, you only live once. We can lie, we can cheat, we can steal, we can manipulate, we can deceive and make it up to the top, because ultimately, I am a God unto myself, and I can allow my self-righteousness to rule and to become the hope of my own salvation. Well, this is just a lie. We don't come out and blatantly say that that much, but it is a lie and it's something that we need to work on. So we follow the voices of the day, whether it be Oprah, the Ellens, the Sean Hannity's or the Diane Sawyer's or who else is on the news these days. They tell us how to live. They tell us how to react to the news, but at the end of the day, nothing measures up. Nothing fills the void, and we're left with a hole in our heart that no matter what we put in it, it's never satisfied. Never satisfied. And at the end of the day, we are left with questions like, why am I here? Do I really matter? What's the purpose of going on doing the same old, same old? Would people even miss me if I were gone? I'm going to say yes to that. People will miss you. Don't even think about it. It seems that the holiday season just compounds this grief because you see all the joy around you and you're supposed to be experiencing those things and yet there's this longing in your heart uh, that you can't fulfill by yourself and you're wondering, am I good enough? Is this good enough for me? You add on to that, the day's getting shorter and we're left depressed and feeling like we're all alone. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, I can tell you what the world does and what many of us can do here. We turn to social media for our support. And there's nobody there that's real because they've all created their own Facebook kingdoms or Instagram or TikTok kingdoms. And they put on what they want you to see. And that's who they are. And that's their image to the world. And they can control that. It's safe. So that's who I'm going to be. But it's not really real. And they give advice, but they're the same they're walking the same broken road that we are, and everything, it seems, it's just hopeless. It, it, there's no fruit to it. There's no foundation to it. And so they say, well, you just do the best you can with what you have. Wow, that sounds really good, but there's got to be something better than what I can give because I fall short every time. You guys ever been there before? I mean, I can identify with that. And so there's got to be more to this life, but don't despair. Don't despair because God gives us hope, hope worth holding when we surrender to Him. God the Father sent His Son to die for us and to rescue us from our sins through His grace, and we know that God has a plan. Amen? God's got a plan. Otherwise... If we're stuck, if we stop right there in the message today, we're in a world of hurt, aren't we? And a lot of people do. We stop there because that's the end of my control. I can't I can't go any further than that because it doesn't fit my plan. But what I gotta do is let go of my plan, surrender my plan to him and allow him to augment it and make it beautiful. Cause God does that. He doesn't he doesn't satisf- he's not satisfied with the caterpillar. He wants the butterfly, doesn't he? Right? So we, unfortunately, have fallen to Satan's trap of sin, and that's where we find ourselves today. And that is why we are forced to die, but we can find rest in God's plan. His plan is very unconventional. It is But it is the best example of how we should live and follow as followers of Christ. We strive to live like Jesus did, and then we go set the example for our community, and we show them how to love. And to love through our example, through our actions, and sometimes with our words. And then we tell them why we do what we do once we've earned that right. Amen? What happens when you go a little bit too early on that? sounds like a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, because it's not done in love. It's done out of obligation, or it's done out of fear, and those things aren't going to add up right. So we're going to look back at a story in in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to see how God presented his story after like four or 600 years of silence. They haven't had a prophet They haven't had anybody step up. They've had the temple come back, and nobody has heard from God. They're wondering, where are you at, God? And in Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. It says, When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah and his wife Elizabeth, also from the priest line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Very, very important. careful to obey all God's, all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week, as was the custom of the priests. He was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was being burned, A great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overcome with fear when he saw him. Wow, these are the words of the Lord. Who has the Lord chosen for the next part of his plan? Well, it's Zechariah and Elizabeth, isn't it? And how were they described again? They were were old, yes. And they were righteous, right? They were righteous in God's eyes. They weren't righteous in their own eyes. They were righteous in God's eyes. Why? Because they obeyed, right? They had a desire to please the Lord. They wanted to honor the Lord. And I could say that's a little bit more than just obedience, right? Because if you ever think of like... King David, he obeyed the Lord, and he also disobeyed the Lord, but he had a desire to honor the Lord by building him a temple, right? And I would say that is a, is a heart issue that's a little bit more than just obedience. They were careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They even they had every reason to give up hope, especially when it came to childbearing, and do their own thing, yet they remain righteous before God. This reminds me of a story that we talked about either early this year or late last year with Abraham and Sarah, right? When we talked about Abraham and Sarah, they were well, Sarah was well past the age of giving childbearing, and Abraham was very old. He was 100 years old. She was 90 So she had a barren womb. It wasn't going to happen. And what is going to happen? After they remain faithful, both Sarah and Abraham and Zechariah and Elizabeth, God chooses the lowly to humble the proud, doesn't he? He chooses the little things of the world to shame the big things, the, the foolish things to shame the wise. Why does he do that? Because when somebody looks at a fool like me and says, how could he ever turn out like that? They can say, there's only one thing that can change him. It's got to be something supernatural, right? And that's why God uses the little. He uses the small. He uses the foolish. He uses the little children to shame the adults. He does that to his own disciples, right? God is full of surprises with the people he chooses. Think of the prophet Samuel when he chooses David. Samuel thought for sure his older brothers were right for the bill. He's handsome, he's built well, this has got to be the guy. But God does not look at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Furthermore, parents notice that God chooses um, God, a godly father before he chooses the town crier and John the Baptist. Okay? He also you see this with Samson's parents. He teaches them how to live, and they start to listen and obey. It was more Samson that disobeyed in that, right? And so we have that as well. And um, have you ever noticed how God allows His plan to be ever dependent on mankind? We are part of the puzzle. We are part of the pieces to put it all back together. God designed it that way and that just blows my mind because we are the ones that keep turning our backs on him and we're the ones that took, us, took him out of perfection. We broke it into little pieces and it can only be put back together by a perfect payment. All throughout the Old Testament, we see God using imperfect people to set up or accomplish his perfect plan. That gives me hope. Does it give you hope? I hope so, because God can use you just as much as he can use me, and he can use me a lot more than what I allow him to do, right? Okay, so glory to God, he has a plan to restore us. If we don't have that hope, we don't have anything at all. Christian faith, it's pointless. Without the love of God, right? It's absolutely pointless. So that means because in our brokenness, we can still be used by God today to accomplish his will, which is exciting. We can rest in the fact that we, as broken vessels, cracked pots, can still hold up enough of his blessings to fulfill his plans. Did you know we're all crackpots? I've, I've alluded to this a couple of times. Where do I get that scripture from? It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to start in 1 and 2, but this isn't quite where it references that. It says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest, know this. We have this discussion on Thursday night. How do you know that you have a good church? If they stand on the word of God. If we don't stand on the word of God, don't go back to that church. That's the same with White Rose or any other church that you go to. If they don't stand on the word of God, red flags, bells and whistles should be going off, right? So God started with Adam and Eve. And he's still working on us every single day. Praise God. Praise God he's working with broken people. Imagine if we stopped looking at ourselves as broken and we are able to see our true potential like Jesus sees it. Would our life be different? I think mine would. I think mine would. If I saw my true potential through God's eyes, I think I'd be much more bold than I already am in my faith. I think I would be much more compassionate in my love, and I think I'd be able to have empathy and be able to give hope even better than what I do. Because, So what, what, how would I live, then, if I, could, if I were in that position? How would I live... I hope I would live like I always did, like Zechariah, staying faithful, staying true, staying just, working day in and day out, but that's not always the case. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 it says, you see, we don't we don't go around preaching about ourselves. Okay? We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. If you can't go tell other people about your faults and how God saved you from them, if you can't tell people about your sin and how God rescued you from it, then you're a glory hog like myself, right? How, what do you mean, pastor? Well, if you go and tell half the story about Jesus, then that's all the, that's, there's nothing. there really nice. You know, Jesus can change your life. He's good. He's fun. He's great. Okay. What you need to say and what I need to say is, I was broken before God came into my life. My mind was a fog. I was a mess. I didn't know where to go. I only knew how to serve myself. And then Jesus happened. And now I try to serve myself. I'm convicted in that. And I have a desire to serve others. I want to love them for no good reason at all, only because Christ is in my heart. And I have the ability to do that. And it's allowed me to conquer sin in my life because of the power of His Holy Spirit working up in me and giving me a hope that I'm going to go to heaven. Would you like a story like that? Because we all have those, right? So, how should I live? If I'm going to act like that, how should I live? in anticipation of this hope that is coming. We have, they had the hope of the first coming, right? Jesus came, he saved us, and rescued us from our sins. He is going to come back a second time as the conquering king and fulfill the rest of the prophecies that are in the Bible of the conquering king. Be prepared is what we need to do. Be prepared. As a Christ follower, Christ warned us to be ready when he comes back, doesn't he? when do we when is he coming back we don't know we just need to be ready for when he does come back make sense we don't know when he's coming back but we need to be ready when he does come back second be angry whoa this is the first time you've ever heard you say be angry usually say anger is is not holy that's not why i've never said that okay anger usually has to be controlled doesn't it and there's such a thing as righteous anger and that's what i'm talking about here be angry at your sin hate what is evil cling to what is good shun evil turn away from it okay and then follow through with that as well that's important as well number three be humble Put other people's needs before your wants. Do you really need that? When they need that, you could probably give that up so that they can have something. You know, We were able to do that for some of the veterans this week, and that was exciting. Some of the donations that we came from the church, we were able to take those to the veterans, and it was a blessing. And Miss Judy said, um, on behalf of the church, they said thank you for that. They had some of them in tears the things that we were able to help donate with that so thank you be self-controlled turn away from your sins and search for righteous living in god's word second corinthians two twenty-two. 22 right yeah you're like oh yeah i know that one right flee the evil desires of your youth instead pursue righteousness faith hope and peace along with those who call upon the lord's heart that's where purity lives You have the fence of fleeing the evil desires, following the Lord, and friendships that are drawing you closer to the Lord. Purity can live in that fence. okay? But you might say, well, I can't do it, Pastor. I can't. The world is pressing down on me. I've gotten myself in a tight spot. Well, God is the God of getting people out of tight spots. I can't handle it. I can't handle it. Well, good. I'm glad because that's almost a confession, isn't it? I can't handle the problems you're sending my way. Good. Now you're starting to realize that you weren't supposed to in the first place. Christian, your power is not from you. It is from God Almighty. And when you limit his power, dare I say, you're living in self-righteousness. Because that's what you're doing. You're doing it under your own strength. That's not anything at all. Giving up never felt so good, right? 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, that's a fun word, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because we have God on our side and if god is for us who can stand against us no one paul says that in romans god gives us a hope worth holding on when we surrender to him the next thing that we have in this season Okay, God's got a plan. So we have God's plan. We can find out what God's plan is through his word, right? The next thing we have is God's got promises in that plan. In each one of those, he's got promises. In Luke 1, 13 through 20, this is the plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth. The angel said, don't be afraid, Zachariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He has never touched wine or other. He is never to touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, how can, this, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man now. My wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God, a.k.a. I'm incapable of lying. I can't tell you the something fake, false, or anything like that, right? I would. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you don't believe me, what I said to you, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be filled at the proper time. Can you imagine what Zechariah was? Has been thinking about all that at this moment. He's like, maybe it was this do not be afraid. Wait a minute. Every time somebody's in the temple of the Lord, things happen in here. They're either really, really good or really, really bad. AKA the rope that's tied around my leg so they can yank me out if I die in the presence of God. All right? That's what they used to do. They used to tie a rope around him so they could drag the dead body out if they didn't give the offering correctly. All right? That's kind of crazy. So I'm not sure, and I have my doubts, I'm sure he was thinking. How is this going to happen? My wife and I are old. Could you imagine? Having a wife that is old, and you're old, and then having a baby with her in this, when you've, that's the only thing you've longed for all these years. The closer, and this is something I, I've learned, and I've seen it throughout many Christians' life. The closer you get with God in your relationship, the less he likes excuses, Right? Additionally, God chose to use Elizabeth and Zachariah because they were old. Nobody else could do this because they didn't have children. They've longed for children. They prayed for children. They confessed this throughout the community. Everybody knows that they've had this desire. And the only explanation for the birth of John the Baptist is God made it happen. That's exciting, right? God shows up. Right or wrong, I tend to see Gabriel a little flabbergasted at the moment. One, Zachariah probably had been praying to God for years about having a kid, and Gabriel was probably taken aback. Haven't you been praying about this for a while now? Like all your life? And you're just about ready to quit this year, but you slipped it in right at the end, right before I showed up? right? Wow. I don't know. Some of that shamanism in there, right? My own thoughts. Are you questioning God's power when I told you he could do this? Are you questioning his authority in your life? Do you think that I should show up like this and then lie to you? I came from the very presence of God himself. I cannot lie. I still glow. With His Holiness, I stand in the very presence of God. He's just—I think He's just—I don't know how He—I I don't know how to explain this to you. He is the one who sent to bring the good news. That is amazing blessing. What about us? If God is the God He says He is, are we supposed? to, are we surprised when He answers our prayers? If God is the God He says He is, are we surprised when He answers our prayers? If God chooses you for His plan, are you ready? How's your past week reflected through the things of this world? Has it shown, or has it shown, a blossoming relationship? With the Lord? Is it showing things of this world that are contrary to God's word? Or is it showing a relationship with the Lord? If you think you are any better off because of who you are, you got the wrong idea. It's not right. God's purpose from sending his son to die for us has nothing to do with our goodness, it has everything to do with his goodness. How many times do we hear, Well, I'm a good person, I think I should. God should let me into heaven, right? I'm a good person, right? Well, let's put that to the test. If you have somebody that shows up in rags on, and is bleeding and hurt, maybe, maybe not hurt, maybe they're just bleeding a little bit, and they're, they show up at your house, they look rough, and they say, I'm a good person, I mean, there's a few of you in here, I know, we'll let you in, but you're not going to take your eyes off of them, are you? Most of us are going to be like, I can call to get some help, but I'm not sure how much I can help you right now. Can we maybe, I don't even know who you are, right? Because they haven't built a relationship. Even if they're saying, well, I just lived two houses down from you. Yeah, but we've never talked before this, and that makes me even a little bit more scared that you live two houses down. We've never talked. What kind of person are you? you know? So you got that going on there. And to me, I'd be wondering, okay, when we are in relationship with the Lord, then God, when we show up at his doorstep, when we show up at his house, he's like, oh yeah, come on in. I've, it's been a long time. I'm glad you've come home. Right? Wouldn't we rather have that greeting? Wouldn't we rather that God ha- knows in a personal way? Well, that takes communication. It takes prayer. It takes reading His Word, knowing things. So, some things we need to change. Some things we need to change. We need to change our attitude. Our attitude needs to reflect Christ. Don't, we can't assume on our own worth. We need to allow God to show us what it means to be one of His servants right? It says in Philippians chapter 2, being the very nature of God, he did not consider something, God's power, something in his grasp, right? He set that aside, humbled himself as a servant, a servant unto death. Could he have rescued himself with the power that he has? Absolutely. We see it three days later when he rescued himself from death, right? God allowed him to raise from the dead. He, God raised him from the dead. Kind of both in one, right? Because he was both. Live to serve. It's not about me. Once you accept Christ has some of the answers, right? We have to accept life is not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's not what about what I have. How can I make life better for those around me? I need to live to serve. Serve our family, serve our spouses, serve our community, serve our church community. Why do I go to church? I got to tell you, for probably the first 18, 19 years of my life, maybe in the first 20 years of my life, I went to church to serve myself. What could I get out of the sermon? How could I grow? What am I going to get out of my friendships? And then the light bulb came on. Well, Shane, somebody said, very frank but nice, church service isn't going there for you. We don't all show up on Sundays so you can be entertained, so that you can keep up with your relationships, so you can have your community. We show up so everybody can have that community, right? So that... I can serve somebody else, so I can uh, reach out and see how they are doing. And when I started going to church like that, oh my goodness, I think that was when I really started my desire to become a pastor, was in that moment. I didn't, don't really n- realize that then, but I realized it's bigger than me. Wow, watch out. So then I learned I need to humble myself, Right? When we humble ourselves, God can do big things. When I talk about my sin and how God rescued that, me from that, God does big things with that message. Again, I don't assume that I'm, I'm humble. I strive for the state of humility. I don't assume upon my humility. I always get a kick out of... We used to watch a, a show on uh, PBS Kids with my kids growing up, and, and they would have these little kids, and they were... Um, oh, I was the little dog, the animated dog, and the and they'd go around solving different things. No, it's not that one. It's not Wishbone. What's that? They had the little kids, and yeah. Well, I'm not sure. They have uh, apparently they have a, quite a few of them, right? Wasn't any of those. There's Ruff, Ruff, Ruffton was the dog. And he used to go around and they'd have these kids, they'd go around, they were normal, and he would jump in on this phone call and they'd call him up, whatever. Anyway, um, the, they interviewed each one of these kids throughout the show and they asked the kids what was one of their biggest qualities. And he says, well, I, well, had yeah, this really high pitch voice, I really think I'm humble. <laughs> and like, that was me when I was his age. That's the quality, I think I'm humble. And anytime you tell yourself you're humble, you're not humble okay? So it was just hilarious because I could see myself in this kid, and I'm like, wow, I'm glad I've grown out of that a little bit. So what does Jesus have to say about this humility thing, right? He says in Matthew chapter 6 on the Sermon on Mount verses 1 and 2, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them, for you, for you do, if you do, you will have no reward for your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets. Be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Remember, God gave his son without conditions. Jesus humbled himself. He became man. He went from infinite to finite. He went from finite to dead. And then he was able to conquer death through his perfection. Praise God. God gives us hope in that and a hope worth holding when we surrender to him. I'm going to close with this. We started this morning's service with Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 3, right? It talks about the town crier. It talks about making way the path of the lord well isaiah chapter 40 is a great chapter you should read it but i'm going to read to you the end 28 through 31 have you never heard have you never understood the lord is the everlasting god the creator of all the earth he never grows weak or weary no one can measure the depths of his understanding he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, in the IAV it says, those who hope in the Lord, will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There's a song that continues that on. I will wait on the Lord I will mount up on wings like eagles as I wait on the Lord. How hard is the waiting? How hard is it to go on and on and on, praying for the same thing over and over? God, do you hear me? God, I'm a priest in your the order of Aaron. Do you hear me? God, I've been praying for my parents to come to know the Lord in a personal way. Do you hear me? God, my womb has been barren for years. Do you hear me? God, I battle this depression. I battle this pain in my heart. Do you hear me? He hears us. How do we know? because he battles the same pain in his heart every time we sin. And he says, enough, I'm going to send the solution. And he sends Jesus Christ down on this earth to rescue us from our sin. Not to rescue us from his sin, because he never has any, right? He takes that burden on the cross and he battles death and he wins he is victorious he is mighty he is god amen and that's the hope worth holding on to if i'm gonna hold on to that hope i gotta surrender my plan i gotta surrender my sin Because God the Father can't be in the presence of sin. But praise God, he sends Jesus Christ here to set the example. He surrendered to sin first, right? Not just one man's sin, not a community's sin, not a race's sin. He surrendered to the whole world's sin for all time. I don't think we can fathom the weight of sin that was on his shoulders when he went to the cross for you and for me and all eternity. I don't think we can understand it. And he won. He won. That is my hope. I want to pass that on to you this morning. That's what gets my gizzard. That's why it gets me up in the morning. When I wake up in the morning, my God has won. I can pray to a winning God and say, Lord, guard my heart and guard my mind so I can stay focused on you because I know he won. Right? Why do you think God gets so ticked off at us when we get hung up on different idols? When we get hung up on different things that we idolize in our life, because they're losers. They will not satisfy. I can't say this enough, right? I can't emphasize it enough, but Jesus Christ is our hope, our satisfaction. We can have faith in him because he is completely, perfectly faithful. And I will rest in that forever. Amen? Save forever. That's right. Because God is not the only infinite being now. He created us as infinite beings. And we will live with him forever. Because he promises to eradicate that sin. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for your salvation. We thank you that you are perfection and that you defeated sin. Lord, we thank you that you are, have won. The victory is in you and you alone. Lord, we long for when you come back the second time. Lord, we are broken people that are in need of humility that we can only find in the victory of Jesus Christ. Lord, we rejoice that you have rescued us for our sins. Lord, we are going to sing about our sins because we have the hope of your salvation, and it makes it so much sweeter when we know how bitter sin tasted. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name as we come together that we have that understanding Open up our eyes, open up our hearts to know the love of God this Christmas season. Lord, and that we might spread that to other people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As I go through every part of this day, help me to love you and to love the people who cross my path, starting with my family. Don't let me miss the adventures of You're sending my way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw my heart to you and to specific people. You want me to pull close for disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform me into a follower of Jesus who loves you, who loves people, who makes disciples, who makes more disciples ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Drawing people close. Two weeks, foundation starts up. We'll eat, and then we'll have that. That is my desire, to see you guys drawn close. Um, if you have those uh, afternoons available, I will be there every time I don't have basketball. So I'm excited about that, and I appreciate the Gillens for doing that. So thank you. You guys are dismissed. Well, if you need to leave, you can go now. If you want to stick around for the uh, business meeting, we'll start that in like five minutes. Yeah. So. Remember.